You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Here we are. Is there an echo, 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 All right, we had to turn off the metronome there. All right, so <laughs> here we are. All right, this is episode five. It's real, people. Uh, we weren't kidding. <laughs> this is happening. Um, this is a podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. I'm Courtney. And I'm Shane. <laughs> And this is a podcast where I come downstairs after we put our daughter to bed and I take over my husband's studio and make him talk about Echo and the Bunnymen for many hours. It's midnight 30 and it's really cold. It's very, very cold and windy. It's 20 degrees out. California's on fire right now and it's snowing in D.C. for the first time in decades. And that was Shane with the weather. And, and now, now, for the moment you've all been waiting for... Echo and the Bunnymen. Tonight is November 15th. The night we're recording this was their first ever gig. At Eric's? That's right. Whoa, I know too much now. I know, I know. you got to stop. Like Shane's like reading articles without me. The whole thing is Who like, knew that that would happen <laughs> in my life? Yeah, so read can... this article about... A concert that happened eight years ago <laughs> by this little band from Liverpool. This little band from Liverpool, Echo and the Bunnymen. But tonight we got a little delayed because um, I was actually, Shane was in the process of recording something. So I always like to know what Shane was doing when I barged in. What were you doing tonight, Shane? I was working on this uh, project I have called Speech. It's a band. With he, a, has, he has called it Speech. It is a project called Speech, but it's an instrumental math rock duo with a drummer named Danny Pichocki. And I'm doing, I was doing guitar post-production stuff on this track I've been working on for nine months or so. <laughs> that's, that's five minutes long. It's very complicated music, extremely. The most complicated music. I would say it's the most complicated rock and roll music that anyone's ever made. Pretty much. I, I, wow, you I, heard that is a bold statement. I know it is. That's All, the thing. Okay. Yeah. All it's right. like it's it yep, it's a new it's a new raising the bar on the prog rock game. You'll see. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not, I shit you not. You keep telling me to do something cool, this is gonna be memorable. Well, I'm just I can't wait. But we had to take a a breather from that to do something else cool. <laughs> which well, is the reason we had to delay about. our start was because I didn't want the, yeah, the, the final mic levels. Minute. I didn't. I had to finish what I was doing because I, I don't think I could duplicate the mic levels. Only something like that could yeah. stand in the way <laughs> of this important. Yes, that was a little late last week coming out, and I'm trying to stick to the stick to the program. It, listen, if you're listening to this, you are seeing. The U.S. leg of the tour. I mean, Detroit, what is up? 
Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Eugene, Chicago, Salt Lake City. Not in this order. I'm just shouting out names, you know, like it's a night train or something by James Brown. Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) I wish. That's where I saw them. But go get your tickets and you're going to have a good time. They're doing all kinds of stuff that I have to like announce now top of the show. So tonight is a moment that many people have been waiting for, I believe. I know that Celine has. Oh, good. Hi, Celine. I hope she's listening. Um, and she was wondering, where is Les and Pete mm. and Will? Oh, right on. So in our last two episodes, we spent a lot of time. We stepped out of the chronology to talk about Ian McCulloch because he's the front man. He is the the voice, and he's the master of ceremonies. You have to talk about the singer. Right. Right. Especially in this case, I mean, right. (laughs) Why especially? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Does he have so much star nah, power? I mean, nah, I guess not. I guess not. If I, I think have to about, say, I, as I, you're I, saying that, I like, immediately went to like Joy Division to New Order. You know, like yeah. that was a good band. The singer, whatever, it was good. But you know, and his tragic story and what have you. But like, but they went on to make other. They did other good sounding music, and they sounded good, regardless of what the singer sounded like they were those songs sounded good what was the band that? sounded good they had a sound and i think the echo and the bunny are the same they have a, a sound at, right and ian floated over that i don't know how much he had to do with like writing the guitar riffs or production decisions so i, I guess i can't really make that statement in full yeah uh, earnestness maybe you will be able to yeah i, I mean, have my ideas is, then, yeah i know i know it'll be interesting for this to unravel and i mean you did, to see did uh What's his face? The guitar player, uh, that guy that <laughs> plays guitar. <laughs> George. That's sad because this is your friend in the band. Yeah, I know. He's your buddy. I know. I'm just blanking. Got... It's just late. <laughs> his name, and we'll just go ahead and start right in. Is Will Sargent? Sergeant. See, I know. I know. Yeah. As you're talking about this, I'm like, well, does he kind of like, does Ian stand out so much? Because I, I find the rest of them to be so compelling, but they are so understated. And it's almost right. like their thing. Right. Like even Johnny Marr had a little flash to him. Uh, and yeah, well, not and I mean, not even instrumentally. I'm just meaning like oh, as a persona, I, oh, as a persona, as yeah. a, you know, and everyone, you know, had on these kind of plaid shirts, the sleeves rolled up, kind of like, not quite like Sears catalog, fall kind of, yeah. but just very understated, which I felt like was really cool in the midst of, they were also, they, they did hold some kind of. Do you remember when you were like, kind of easing me into this Echo and the Bunnyman thing a long time ago, like yeah. earlier this year, before I even got you tickets to see them as a surprise, it was kind of like. You were like kind of rediscovering them and kind of delving back in, uh-huh. and you were like watching the videos of them on like 
Old Grey Whistle Test. No, they didn't do that. But it's some, that British festival. Or Rock what, Palace. Or something. Palace. Yeah. Or, what, that's not even British. Where is that festival? German. German. Oh. Anyway, you were, we were watching these, you were watching those videos of them at the festival on YouTube, and I was watching them, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what this guitar player, I mean, I don't know. You know, it reminded me of like kind of this heat or something, you know, this kind of minimal texture element, you know, that's yeah. like, like, except the thing about this heat is they didn't have the star singer. And like, Ian, that's the thing is he's like this soaring giant of a singer, you know? Yeah. And, um, but the thing is, Will Sargent's playing was, uh, didn't jump out at me right away the way Johnny Marr or The Edge did with like the strong assertive ideas. But now that I've actually like and those two people are very different. And it might be the production value on the Smiths records and the U2 records that makes Will Sargent's playing even more subdued in a way because they had like their production was overall more HD. Yeah, I think. Yeah, both of those bands. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just going on and on no. here, but but I think. But That's ultimately, then I love his playing, and I, and it, it just I had like a le- more of a learning curve on on appreciating the nuance of it. Right. Um, but now I absolutely love it, and also having transcribed and kind of taught a, a band, you know, the parts or whatever, uh, I uh, even more appreciate kind of like the playing. But honestly, almost the formal structures of their songs they're very simple songs it's the but the but the way that the textures crescendo and kind of tension and release that goes on with that subtlety does that make sense definitely like like because that we we could have learned those songs and just kind of played them all at the same volume or whatever but to truly cover those songs you need to have a dynamic trajectory over the course of time and understand where things come in and out on a a dynamic level that just hammering through the songs would not convey what they're doing. So like they have a lot going on in the realm of dynamics and and timbre that's su- on a subtle level and not where Johnny Marr carries Mar- through yeah. live like yeah that's for the, sure yeah, yeah. and the and Johnny Marr is like the strong melodic thing. Very strong. And the edge is like a strong. Like, what is he though? He's strong melodically too, but he's economical. He's but and he's, that's more like Will Sargent. He's sonic. Like Will right, Sargent. He's more. But I think his ideas are are played more confidently or something. I know, there's, there's an assertiveness about, about his playing. The, he has like so it's an himself. Attack. It's an attack thing and it's a tone thing. Yeah. And Will's tone is smaller right because yeah. i think of his interest in kind of like pulp and trash and this sort of like these disposable kind of in addition to all the music you love and what we're going to talk about rock 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 <laughs> 
even p- 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 deeper, Prague, deeper than like, that. I mean, just all oh, the things all that stuff. you're going to be like, uh, yeah, you're going to love it. Jazz, jazz, jazz. <laughs> Not so much jazz, though, I don't think. Oh, okay. Not as much as you. Just. But all the, just all the dorky music. <laughs> <laughs> Jethro Tull, 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 Tull. For sure. Oh, my God. The minstrel in the gallery. Looked out upon. <laughs> it's playing on their tour bus, like right now, as we speak. You get little updates little, about what they're listening to. And Baker I'm like, Street uh-huh, news. there's Shane just jamming out on that bus. He should be on that tour bus with them, hanging out. Listen and listening to Gentle Giant. Let's do it. <laughs> and I realize, I feel that Will has had complete control over the music of the band. Okay. But that's one of my assertions. You mean the playlist of what they listen to? Everything. Yes. Any influence. But you're not talking about the writing. You're talking about just no, what not, they no. hear. Well, no, not the writing specifically. What they hear, exactly. No, what they like hear and out. what they cover. He's like DJing. He's DJing. He's telling them what to like. I mean, that's the impression I get because... The other guys are just... <laughs> we're in a band. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, As someone said... As someone once said, um, I believe it was Josh Carpenter said, and this was conveyed to me from James Owen, uh, that um, it's a band, James. It's not about the music. (laughs) So, all right. So we're going to be talking today about Will and Les. We've been talking. We'll keep going. (laughs) Well, I just wanted everyone to know that we're not going to talk about Pete DeFridis today. I love how we didn't, yeah. Because he's not going to join the band for some oh, yeah, time. Exactly. And if we're kind of moving at the pace of real time, and like, you know, he'll be joining the band like two years from now. Okay. So, All right. If we just take every day at a time. Are we going to get into the biographies of these people, or are we just going to like Just talk riff about on what we music? think about them. Well, we, cause like, cause, Let me tell you about Because Ian got the treatment, man. Oh, he got we, analyzed. We talked about his dad's factory job. Dude, and I've been trying to really find some stuff out on these guys, and I cannot really yeah. find out too much about the i think it's okay. not let's just talk about it let's then. just talk hey so what do you think of will i, I really like no i got something i okay. got something okay so <laughs> will was a woolly back what what's that that is a redneck that's what we that is the, the term oh because he lived eight miles outside of liverpool oh, okay so he wasn't even a scouse if, so if Liverpool is the size of, like, Portland. Yeah, and I was thinking about, like, when we lived in North Florida, we lived in Tallahassee, and your bass player, Buck, lived in Marion, where, like, the skunk ape lived, and, like, it was a whole other yeah, world. Yeah, a whole other culture. Yeah. You're shooting guns off your front porch. And... I mean, yeah, and swamps and just everything. So, yeah, so he is a little outside the city. Right on. And this is from The Vinyl Guide. It's a podcast that's awesome in the interview he did. Oh, cool. That's where I'm gleaning. All right. So that's awesome. Uh-huh. Well, good for you. <laughs> I mean, that's all I do. And they also mentioned that the first album he remembers, the first record, because they're talking about records, was a little album called We're Only In It for the Money. Mm. Aha. Uh-huh. Hmm. So Let's what see. do you know see, of this album? I just intuited that we would be talking about Frank Zappa in the first three episodes. Yeah. That was the first album he remembers hearing. What are you talking about? Yeah, he remembers his brother, like his sister, like throwing it down the stairs because it's. Okay. But it was like, he, oh, he, right. but he. So I think both he and Les are younger siblings. Right. So 
he really was influenced by the older brother's music. His older brother was a little more of a hippie. This is such a strange generational thing for me to wrap my head around because I think... The transition the, is so Well, a good bizarre. chunk of the music that I listen to yeah. is like a generation younger or more than them, than the Echo and the Bunnymen guys. Yes. So when I think about them being kids listening to this music as it was coming out, yes. they were like teenagers or younger. He must have been like 10 years old when we're only in it for the money came out, you know? Yeah. And that's because that's a Frank Zappa Mothers of Invention album. It's their third album that came out in 1968. Oh. oh or third? 67. It is. It came out oh, in 67. The first one. No, We're Only For The Money is their third album. The and first album okay, is so Freak Out. Me. It goes Freak Out, Absolutely freak out. Free, right. then We're Only In It For The Money. All right. Now, see, we're now... When Give we... me a hit from Only In It For The Money, because Lord knows I had to listen hey, to... Hey, punk, some... where you going with that I'm flower in your hair? hair. I'm hey, going punk. The... <laughs> I'm going down the first guy to play some little bongos in the dirt. Yeah. Hey, punk, where you going with that flower in your hair? What's the ugliest part mm-hmm. of your body? All your children are poor, unfortunate victims of systems beyond their control. A plague upon your ignorance to the great despair of your ugly life. That album's is good. I like the early mother stuff. Anyway, but that album's a parody of hippie culture. During the height of hippie culture, 68, 67, 68, Summer of Love, whatever, you know, all this, like, hate Ashbury, all that stuff. And it was this criticism of hippie culture through the lens of Uh, capitalist criticism, though, of corporate culture, right? Because it was Uh like, it was not as being, it was a, it was a, you know, late Marxist critique of, 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 of administered culture and the whole hippie scene and calling it for the bullshit that it was. It's a great, in that sense, it's great. You know, Zappa has his shortcomings, he's misogynist and what have you. But the, but if you, if you can look past that, you get, you, like, there's also these, these sort of, um, you know, this cultural critique that that record really nails and so but people hated it of course so it's funny he's yeah. like it's, threw, it, threw it down the stairs because it was just it's like unlistenable but it's it's a good one well okay so his first but the first record he intentionally bought okay he was trying to buy the who but he ended up with that rolling stone album i couldn't even bring myself to make a note of it <laughs> but he the he, rolling stones album you know yeah a famous one. Sticky Fingers? No. Is that a Rolling Stones album? No, I Another don't know. band, I'm just like... I don't know either. We're, okay, like, we can just skip You that. guys don't know about the Beatles and the Stones? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like... Oh, there's more. Yeah. I like a handful of songs from both of those bands. Yeah. A lot. Paint It Black. Paint It Black's best song. Yep. What else? Um, There is another one. Oh, that... um. Sympathy with dun, the, for the dun, Devil. Dun, yeah, satisfaction. Not Sim- no, not satisfaction. <laughs> so they're similar. It's that uh, sympathy for the devil. No, sympathy for the devil's fine. I like Perry Farrell. I like Jane's Addiction better. Jumpin' Jack. Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah. But then they had all, the rest of their catalogs just this honky tonk bullshit. But all the hits are actually good. Yeah, that's their hit band for me, and that's sacrilege to some people because people worship that band in this way that's it's mindless though weird. i went with my mom to see the rolling stones it was like a, oh you a, saw them yeah uh, like at joe, joe rabbi stadium it was like the steel wheels tour in the early 90s yeah i remember and the I, early 90s their resurgence I took my mom or whatever but can i paint a picture for you at that concert paint it but paint it black yeah do it tell us so they i don't know we were in the nosebleed somewhere you know at this huge stadium and uh that song white horses that they sing 
there was uh, the acoustic set that they went into where they do like Desperado and well, oh wait, that's the Eagles. Anyway, they do like some <laughs> mellow shit, you know, and like everyone's like, oh, you know, and there's these like four like Florida, like just kind of douchey, like, you know, used to be frat boy guys, like with their collars popped and they're wearing shorts and they got like their short sleeve, you know, like polo shirts and, yeah, and they're they smoking wear. cigars and they're and everyone's like sitting during this boring ass part of the show and like you know and they're all standing and and they're just like it's like it's almost like a religion like people don't even know the music whatever you know like i can't even they're yeah. just it's just like you show up you know but they were yelling at everyone around them with smoke these guys these douchey like fratty guys but in the, you know in their 40s were it's the Rolling Stones. Stand up. What's wrong with you people? Like they were just like four of them, like in like together, were just heckling the audience for not standing up and showing the Rolling because Stones their proper respect during this boring slow part of the show. Anyway, because it's the fucking Rolling Stones, man, man. Yeah, I, I mean that is that's how I came to know them is in a drunken fervor of a don't you get it man kind of like that was the rolling stones Mick jagger man vh1 man play this shit 24 hours a day i will say I speaking go, oh. of guitar players though but that, bowie is yeah. old too but i'm totally but into bowie, bowie. come on I, you can't compare bowie to the stones man. well they did that song together that was a low point for bowie yeah yeah it's very it goofy. A, it's very, very slow. Oh, low point it is. It's very funny. And you got to watch it. And Dancing I don't even remember. Dancing in the street. How many streets? people need to cover that song? The Grateful Dead cover that song, too. <laughs> I know very little about The Grateful Dead, but I know that they covered that song. It's like, I know that who they... wrote that song? Dancing in the street? I want to say it's Lionel old, Richie. It's an old folk song. It's like a child ballad. Alan Lomax discovered it. <laughs> don't forget the motor city. So, what were we talking about? The Stones? Uh, yeah, All right. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's Will for you. <laughs> now, Will is a great guitar player. So, you so know. is Keith Richards. And <laughs> uh, the Edge. And Let's the talk edge. about the Edge some more. <laughs> Everyone. All right. I don't. I don't. I think I didn't do a good enough job. Will Sargent <laughs> is a subtle genius of texture and dynamics. I think I went into it. I know. I kind of just like let you go because I'm like I'm gonna go off later when we're listening to the, you know, the first recordings of them. That this guy is wise beyond his years. Mm-hmm. Has this real taste and subtlety. Right. It's okay that you're. Being honest, the beginning of the season about your first impressions of Will Sargent, because we're going to be dedicating the rest of our lives, <laughs> aka the rest of this podcast, talking about what a subtle genius he is, as you said. Okay, but actually, on second thought, that's not a good enough intro. He deserves a little better here. True, true. I'm okay. sorry. Yes, it's cool. We got it. We just got to go back, and I'm going to get you to talk about some of the bands 
that he loves. Okay. Because he doesn't love the Rolling Stones. I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, likes them. But this was like, you know, that was his second choice because he tried to buy the Who, you know? Right, right. Unless I got that reversed. But the bands he did like as a kid, which he had to denounce later um, when he became a punk. But uh, well, what do you think of Yes? Let me ask you that. Uh, yes. You know, I could. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> what about Led Zeppelin? Okay. Uh, Led Zeppelin is one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever. Now, I say that with some caveat because I, when I was a teenager, it was like when I was like 15, I was in a band in high school and the group of friends that I hung out with and ate psychedelic drugs and listened to music with, we had a debate about which band was better, Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin. It was just the goofy thing, but somehow it was those two bands pitted against each other. Like that was the only conversation we could have. And, uh, and I was in the Pink Floyd camp firmly, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they are the, the best band Zeppelin? that ever existed, but, or maybe it's white privilege. You could say like best British white man band. <laughs> okay. That's the guy. Well, then that's uh, clearly Echo and the Bunnymen. Okay. Yeah. Well, pre, pre Echo. Okay, pre-echo. Yeah. Let's have Lou Pink Floyd. Um, that, somehow that was the conversation amongst my friends Yeah, uh, at the time. Well, you know, that's like, you know who uh, you know who's a big Pink Floyd fan is Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh, really? He's more in that camp. Okay. All right, so did we do, is that good? Is that Will? All right, Will. Listen, here's the thing. Will, he's an, he doesn't like tons of attention, or we are, we are told that he doesn't really like for people to like be all demonstrative and talk about how great he is. So maybe this is the the intro he's meant to have is just us dissing the Rolling Stones, not having a debate about Pink Floyd versus Pink. That would really uh, fit in with his whole conceptual continuity of being this understated guitarist. If that's his personality, it comes across in his playing. And that's why maybe I didn't like immediately be like, Wow, what an amazing guitar player. But then upon closer closer inspection, you realize, whoa, this is like just perfection. Because he's not going to shred, you know? Yeah, yeah he's going to just this do what's bliss. necessary. It's yeah, pure bliss. And kind of just, I bet, like just hearing interviews with him kind of is too. I mean, they're incredibly understated as well. But he's not a dick, you know? But he's just um, telling you what you need to know. And there's no bells and whistles. And there's no like secret awesome issues that he's having that are beneath the surface he's just a guy um and who i think really loves music and i'm just gonna say i bet he loves music more than anyone else in the band he's a music lover i could see that a passion he, cr- yeah. he collects the records because he does put that out there yep that i love music i'm a fan yep. of music and i think at times he had to kind of hide his enthusiasm and hide some of the more hippie prog music that he loved. But I will, I, I can't, you know, let us go on without saying that he was a f- like one of the first people in his town or of his age that got the Nico and uh, what is it? The, Velvet Underground. Yeah, what's the name of the one? The first, I think it's the Velvet Underground. Uh, yeah, I guess it's the self-title. And Nico. Yeah. Banana cover. But he loved them.
So I'm gonna go off about him later, so it's fine. We can just leave it at that. He's uh lives outside the city. But let me <laughs> He's a Billy. Alright. He was born though April twelfth, nineteen fifty eight. Okay, he was born in Walton Hospital. But his home is in Melling, Kirkby. So that's the place that's outside the city. Meanwhile, a week later, six days to be precise, Leslie Thomas, also born in Walton Hospital. He lives in Kirksville? Nope. He lives in Ormskirk, which, (laughs) I'll quote uh, the Never Stop book, the more attractive neighborhood of Ormskirk. Okay. And I don't know what that means. I, I'm, I, without looking it up, I feel like Tony Fletcher is British because Who is he, Tony Fletcher? <laughs> the writer of Never Stop, okay. the authorized <laughs> and the Bunnyman biography. <laughs> We've referenced him before. The great Tony Fletcher. Everyone knows who's listening. He knows the ins and outs of the city, and he'll kind of assume you do too. And he'll talk Tony. about t- Tony, old Tony uh-huh. Fletcher. <laughs> For instance, he'll talk about the school they both attended, went to the same school, they were born six days apart. Oh. Day Dies Lane. <laughs> Days. <laughs> Die Day Yes. Day Yes. Lane. <laughs> Days Lane. Anyway, it's like he describes it as like the school that had it had a faded coat of arms that were was hardly recognizable outside the school because you know the schools there are like five hundred years old. They're like, you know, my school was like yeah. made out of plastic, right? And, but theirs know, has been there a long time. Made out of like Stonehenge, like <laughs> Druids built it and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, they met through the sky and I wrote down his name, but I don't think he's going to come up again. Yes. <laughs> no, oh, his name Anthony. is Anthony. Tony. <laughs> I meant. This guy is Raymond, Raymond Bagley. Bagley. Now the name Bagley. Wait, who is this? I, I this is, the, the name Bagley is going to come up later. Uh, who <laughs> the hell is Raymond Bagley? <laughs> You don't know who it Raymond is. Bagley is the guy in the class this. who who could draw the shit out of David Bowie. He was a good drawer. You know that guy in, in the school? class? I would say middle school. Maybe it was high school. Maybe it was high school, days late, whatever. This is this podcast <laughs> is his claim to fame. Although where'd you read about him? <laughs> Tony Fletcher is his okay. claim to fame. Okay, okay. You know, we we're I thought you like started making phone calls. I have made some phone calls, but I know, I know. <laughs> so Actually. you thought maybe, yeah, I know. So this guy, he he was really good at drawing the David Bowie. Now we already know from our last two episodes. What Mac period likes, David Bowie? Like Space Oddity, or are we talking like? I'm guessing it's definitely Ziggy, Space Oddity. Ziggy, 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 Aladdin, saying maybe times, but yeah, okay. Ziggy. Okay. Okay. So he drew these pictures really well. Right. And you know, you would just gather around somebody yeah. and they would be drawing Ooh. something cool. Yeah, they could draw and, you know, cool. and they and they liked to draw too. They were fond of the odd sketch themselves. To, uh, there's another top of my head quote <laughs> Tony Fletcher. I don't even have it written down. Memorize these books. So these guys were in the sea stream. The, what's that? Well, I think we, so in Europe, maybe they have the sea stream. 
But what is oh. that? What is that? What? Kind I of? don't know. Are they they're like mediocre students yeah. in school? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I just love that term. I want to shout out, give a shout out to the C stream yeah. all across the nation. I was in the C stream. Oh, in hell high yeah, school. you were. I mean, everyone who is smart is in the C stream. Yeah. Because you're just not going to. Because fuck do- this shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't pay attention to this shit. Right. Yeah. So these guys, um, and you know, in Europe, and in America, we have is there basic, a D stream? I don't know about the D stream, but the D stream. But there was also he called it the comedians class because you know that's where the oh. funny people are. Yeah. 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 Tell us about the C stream. Oh, you were in the A stream. Well, Never mind. I don't know. No, when I was in elementary school, it was like, whoa, why can't she read? I had little issues, but, then you got, but yeah, yeah and I went into yeah. the A stream. But you know, really, I was in the A stream in elementary school. But it has not. It was also for us. It was so clear that it was a racist classes structuring of students it was disgusting yeah. like um but yeah that we had honors academically gifted honors and then basic so weird you called it basic do you remember that i so, started out in the honors programs in high school yeah because yeah. they were like oh this guy's smart we're gonna throw him in these classes and like like what do they call that like magnet program stuff and all this thing you know right. and, the, and then it was just Clear that you weren't clear that I was not going to be in class at all ever. So you were actually a little more like Ian, which we'll get to. So they weren't really so Les and Will going to school together, not really friends, but they're not really enemies. But I guess they're in some of the same classes. So Will, and you can maybe speak to this. He left school in 1974 with no qualifications. Um, But you know when he went to the the what do you call it the guidance counselor and it sounds like they kind of pick out what you they want you to be or whatever will was like i want to be a zookeeper and then he was given a form to take to the technical institute up the road to take this exam to become a welder what do you think happened he didn't show up he no he failed it oh <laughs> so so then he applied to become a short order cook at a restaurant um, yeah. in the, I guess every town has a Henderson's department store in England. Okay. Because it was the town's Henderson department store, mm-hmm. you know. And so he had like a friend named Maz working there. So that's his life. That's his future. Now, Shane. So Maz was like, she was like his. I think it's for his buddy Maz had a job as a short order cook. All right. So he was able. So let, I wanted to ask you yeah. what your kind of. Uh, what your school and work trajectory looked like around this point as well. Very similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very similar. I uh, I dropped out of high school to, you know, because I just wasn't in the school that much and thought I wanted to play guitar. But then I went and worked in restaurants as a cook for however long, how long? 15, like 10, <laughs> 15 years or something. I don't know, until I could become a full-time musician. Now, I didn't become a rock star like will but i teach music and i play professionally (laughs) well also will says that he made about as much as he did as the fry cook in echo and the Bunnymen. oh really so it's like that makes sense though i mean you know it's always it always looks like things are going going good for when you see an article about someone or they're playing a show but then what at the end of the day the dough is kind of like so tell us what are some of the places you work well, I once counted it up, and I think I had over like 40 <laughs> jobs before I became self-employed as a guitar freelancer. So I worked at McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, <laughs> Subway. Uh, I remember Subway. Yeah. 
I Mike's was, Beer Barn. Mike's Beer Barn. I was uh, ma- assistant manager at Hollywood Video. I worked for China Wunan as a flyer butter hanger-upper. I worked at uh, Hungry Howie's Pizza. I cooked at a Domino's Pizza. I worked at a Peaches Records. I worked at uh, I worked at a record store in Tallahassee for a minute. Pizzeria. I worked at Guitar Center in their shipping department. Oh, really? Yeah, for like a couple weeks, <laughs> something. And uh, yeah, I worked at the Pizzeria. I did that. I worked at Gordo's Cuban Restaurant. I worked at. Um, so wait, you would? This is all of them. Bistro like, eighteen ninety six. Max so and Rosie's Cafe. Like Rosetta's Kitchen. Um, <laughs> three jobs a year. I worked as a forklift driver at the Civic Center oh, yeah. in Tallahassee. I did uh, phone calls, like uh, work, like oh, telemarketing. Tell, no, tell, right. no te- you did. Oh, I did telemarketing as a teenager, though. Yeah, it was for like Somehow. the police athletic league or something. I'm like calling people asking money for the cops. It's so ridiculous. But uh, the list goes on, man. I had a lot of jobs, right? And I could not stay there nor do high school. So let me tell you a little bit about Les, who I know even less about, even though... Les Pattinson? That's right. Okay. Now, I, if you were to just say right now, oh my God, Courtney, Earth is going to explode. You've got to jump in a pod, go in outer space with one Bunnyman member, and good luck. It would be Les. Okay. He's chill? I think he's chill, and I think he has... The purest heart of all the members of the band. Wow. That's just my, I just decided that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I that's just, great. Yeah. According pure to me, less. They call him pure less. <laughs> pure hearted less. Golden hearted less. The golden boy. <laughs> he actually seems pretty obnoxious when he's younger. But anytime I see an interview with him, yeah. like I want to cry. And not in like Aww. a cheesy way, but I'm just like something what a very nice deeply man. sad and touching. But yeah. I never feel sorry for him. It's just like he carries like some kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and he knows how to fix stuff. So if he was on the spaceship, like he knows how to build, like I don't know if any of these other people do. And so he would be my choice. Interesting. <laughs> so he he actually picked up grade one CSEs. That's maybe their SATs, whatever. Okay. In physics and woodwork. Okay. He's, and he wanted to take photography, but they were like, no, you can have a job. But I thought he was in the C-stream, too. He's in the C-stream, yeah. He got, I don't know what he got, but he, he showed some promise in physics. It's like these different they were like, streams that filter into society. And yeah. this is your kind of... This is yeah. your lot. Yeah, it's interesting. He was like, I want to do photography. They were like, nope, but go to the car plant. Is that what Ford's is? I have no idea. I don't know. Ford's, yeah. It's an American company, Ford. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Should we talk about his bass playing or you got more stuff? No, I want you to talk about his bass playing, actually. I don't have much. Well, he became an apprentice boat maker at this place called Douglas Yard, and he loved it. Loved it. Like, it was liked being on the water. The whole enterprise was based on trust. You could go in and take days off when you wanted to, but it's like him, and I think it was like six other guys, and they just all loved doing this work and were very devoted, and he was really nostalgic for it the entire time he was in the band, it seems like. So, huh. yeah. So tell me about his bass playing. Well, um, I just can speak authoritatively about the five songs that I transcribed and learned uh that he plays bass on um maybe i'll do more in the future but um 
Min, you know, he does what's necessary, but he has some nuance that it's unexpected, isn't it? It's it's there's a sophistication. Like, These are really easy, and then it was like, hmm, this is interesting. Well, yeah, it's still easy for me, but it's like, <laughs> but so there, but there's a uh, <laughs> there's like a subtlety to to his his architecture, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes me think. I don't know. I, like, I don't know a lot about that. Is it chance their... or do you... No, like, it's not chance. Off. It's groove. It's groove and it's, and it's, and there's a, they work with a harmonic palette that like they, and every song is the same pretty much. Okay. Well, yeah. he's the guy. Yeah. And this is always kind of talked about very dismissively. There's nothing said about his music taste. I think he listens to Motown. Okay. Well, but yeah, he, it's, there's, there's two things going on, right? Well, more than that, but there's like two things as far as, you know, there's the groove, and then there's like I think just what I consider the 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 sonic the the harmonic palette, the tone of the, the, tone of the band, band, but the notes actually, right? Oh, so okay. like the actual oh. like chords, chord melody relationship that's going on because right. the songs all have like two chords, you know, and then they might have like a section that also has a, a chord, you know, <laughs> but it's not they're not complicated songs, but they like they really like this kind of you know suspended sound. They like to hover between like E minor and D major, and like they'll like. They'll play, or you know, they'll play. Um, I don't want to get like too theoretical about it, but I think he has like a strong groove that is syncopated in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And there's a funk thing going on in this band that I was not immediately attuned to until I started to learn their songs. I never thought of them as a funk band. There's some straight up James Brown shit going on in the guitar. doing now like what's the song is it that the puppet that i play bass on at yeah. the concert right uh yeah that's the bass line in that song practice my fall for practice makes perfect change the wall for maximum hold the window's so far too far for my legs oh open the door and let out the cold that's a good example of a song he really knows how to connect things with a scale note he'll walk from one chord to the next with the note in between he does it in uh, killing moon you know we're going from e minor down to c and he's gonna like play that d on the way down but while he's on the c chord he's like bringing that d in which has that suspended two feeling and then he connects us back to the E chord. And that's a mysterious quality. A suspension chord is a mysterious chord, and they use them a lot. That's why the band has a mysterious quality to them harmonically. We're hanging in suspense. We're suspended in air. What's going to happen? There's some, it's like a foreboding quality of mystery harmonically. Which, and that's how I like when I you know, teach suspensions. You know, that's how I talk yeah. about it. But, it's, but anyhow, the groove, though, then, is very, like, driving and interestingly syncopated. He, it's not overly syncopated and it's not complex, but it's enough that like, you know, he knows how to like push it forward. So Ian talks about David Bowie was his introduction to music, but like Will was like, I've always been interested in music. I came out of the wound. I've always oh, yeah. loved music. Okay. But then Les, we just don't know anything about him except right. that he knew nothing about music when he joined the band. Are we assuming that everybody wrote their own parts? Is this a band that came together and they just kind of like bounced ideas off each other? We are assuming that, yeah. I mean, I think that he... So I think Les is like weirdly musical. Just one of those people who clearly... Yeah. Yeah. 
He is. I mean, the, the, they're skeletal and simple baselines for uh, yeah, sure. I know. Yeah. Like at the same, you know, like you. It's but what, some strange things happen, like when you talk about the gods. Interesting gods, choices. Like, yeah, he, dude, he that can really hold on insanity. to some very yeah. yeah that's the rhythm on that song is. is I, I haven't analyzed it, but it, it feels like that's maybe their most complex rhythmically song that I've heard. Yeah. Where it just feels so like it's far. skipping a beat, almost mm-hmm. like some prog rock, like Genesis or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting though. Some of his songs are just straight up punk songs, you know, and just like four on the floor, real simple, you know. Yeah. But you kind of hear their Doors influence a lot, like I think in when as you, you bounce from song to song. But no, not necessarily less specifically, but in terms of the f- the various feels of the songs. Yeah, the Doors have like these like blues honky tonk songs. And then they have like these like weird trippy like mysterious songs, you know. And then they have there's like a, a di- like a, an arra- a range, range of, of arrangements. Now the Doors were better musicians, conventionally speaking, so they could actually kind of like get close to something like jazz or get close to something like more traditional like blues right. or or like Which is flamenco. Robbie Krieger studied flamenco guitar. So and, and this is exactly why. I'm just going to come out. Episode five. I don't like the doors. Sorry. It's terrible. I'm going to try not to make that uh, too much of a thing. We've already trashed the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I know. And I'm just that person, you know, and and who just hates everyone and everything. And I feel like... It's fine. You know. I, I see the problem. I don't like the doors really. But, I mean, but when, we have to talk about like them. But you like them when you're a teenager. Because people love them and, and they love yeah. them. I mean, there's a huge connection we're going to draw. Dude, so they, I'm not cover gonna, the they cover the doors when we saw them this oh, year. I know. Trust me, I was very aware. What used to be my least favorite song, Roadhouse Blues, until I started playing oh. it in the Doors cover band Oof. that I've played a couple shows in this year. And <laughs> I had so much fun playing that song. And I encourage I, you to be in it because I was like, please. The song variety that the Doors had, the Echo has like a song variety but no but their palette is more limited because they're more idiosyncratic because they're not trained musicians like the and doors that's were that's what makes you a great yeah. artist <laughs> yeah yeah that's why they have like a i don't want a palette you know it's not like the palette is not like everything i'm gonna play like bach and then some fucking you and know, that is ray stride piano i mean yeah. ray what's his name manzarek is gonna appear on a bunnyman album Sweet. very soon like nice. in a big big time which album the self-titled. When did that come out? That was like their fourth album? Yeah, like the, right after um, Ocean Ocean Rain. He's an amazing musician. Yeah. And he's quite creative, too. I mean, Doors, whatever, like... It's easy to hate Jim Morrison. Oh, it is. It's so easy. And, that's and I the can problem. really, but I. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem there. And then, but they have some cool songs. The end, man. That's all. I, you know how many times oh. I watched Apocalypse Now as a teenager? I know. It's everything. I know. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. So, so Les is out there. Now, okay, so let's just, here's where everyone is at. Will is hanging out, listening to some Led Zeppelin, Will Sargent, that is. What year is it? 
And they're, this is them out of school, like mid-70s, you know. Okay. Will's listening to some Led Zeppelin, some Genesis, and yes, some Jethro Tull, some Bowie, and some Velvet Underground. Because these were the days before punk rock, you know. Now Les, he's hanging out at Douglas Yard, uh, building boats. And one day his friend comes up to him and says, you got to go to this club, man, called Eric's. It's just totally... He'll blow your mind. Whoa, dude. Meanwhile, our old buddy, Ian McCulloch, he's always late to school. Now, he's in the um, the top stream. <laughs> so he's like, kind of like you probably, is like, he should be making A's. But then it's like, he only passed four of his O-levels. And he just wasn't getting up to go to school. He just wasn't going. So... He's also, this is the thing I really identify with him about. He was one of those people that was only good at drawing and really good at that. You know that you're not, you're a poor student when your parents are like encouraging you to take art on as a living, you know, for a living. Because mm. you're mm-hmm. clearly like, that is your only skill. That's right. it. <laughs> to be an artist? It's not even so much that you're good, but you're not passing Nothing math. Nothing else going on so for you. This seems to be your Just skill. Draw. Yeah. Draw. I mean, dang, if you can. So his parents always wanted to be an artist, but he, so he's didn't really. I mean, he graduated, but he couldn't really do anything. He couldn't really get a job. There was no perspective. I don't know anything. Yeah. And he was kind of cool with that because he wasn't really. He just wanted to hang out <laughs> at the pub. Well, he's about to get into the coolest pub in town because one day Pete Wiley came down to his house and tuned his guitar and told him to go to this club called Eric's. It happened the same day. Wow. Came to his house, tuned his guitar, took him to the club. And we will talk about Eric's a little later. All right. All right. You have been listening to... Is there an echo in here? Echo in here. You can write us an email at echoinherepodcast at gmail.com. Echo in here podcast at gmail.com. Echo in here podcast at gmail.com. Tune in next time to talk about the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs>